morning. Good to see every one of you here today, and um, I promise that we did not forget about Thanksgiving, okay? Yes, we do have Christmas decorations up just a little bit early this year, and uh, because of COVID, we have to do things a little bit differently, and, uh, and that also applies to our music ministry, and typically we have a wonderful big uh, Christmas concert each and every year. Uh, we're going to have that, but it won't be live, okay? So we're, going to, we're putting together a recording that will be viewed online uh, later in December, and we'll give you more details about that as that comes up. But in order to record, that means we have to do that now. So this afternoon, our choir is going to be recording a few of those songs uh, that we'll include in that concert. So we need some sort of a backdrop to sing against. And so, yes, there is Christmas uh, decorations uh, for you to see. Uh, a few more Sundays, and so uh, hopefully you'll enjoy those. Uh, we got a new song for you this morning, and so uh, we're going to start, we're going to sing, and then as you feel comfortable, uh, you sing along with us. Let's all stand as we sing, God So Love. Come all you weary, here we go. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry drink of the water come and thirst no more come all you sinners come find his mercy come to the table he will satisfy taste of his goodness find what you're looking for God so loved the world for God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. Bring all your failures, bring all your failures, bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave us. His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. The power of Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, for the wonders of His love. For God so loved, for God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save for God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated. Now it is well. I'm walking in freedom. God so loved, God so loved the world. Bring all your failures, bring all your failures, bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with us and Rejoice. Rejoice, give thanks and 
welcome to First Baptist Church. High up in the balcony and down on the floor and these beautiful people leading us in worship and at home watching us on your devices. And however you're with us in worship this morning, praise God. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow, rejoice, rejoice to your King. For God so loved the world that He gave us His only Son. Amen? Oh, my goodness, how do you sit still? How do you not break your shoes and strain your voice, shouting praise for the God of all creation who knows our names and has the number and the hairs on our heads numbered, and He loves us, and He gave us our Son, His Son, for our salvation. Amen. Welcome to First Baptist. My name is Derek Hartley, and uh, I really love doing the welcome. I really do. Praise the Lord. What a great day to be in his house. Now, I want to just remind you that uh, shoe boxes uh, for Operation Christmas Child are due this morning. If you did not bring them, hmm, sorry, no, did not bring them, you have till noon tomorrow to bring them to the office, okay? We have to get those shipped out so they can get on uh, the trucks and the planes to go all over the world because God so loved the world. And they're going to take these wonderful gifts to share the gospel. And we're, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're with us. And uh, we're going to continue now in this celebration of who God is. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together again in worship. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Is thy faithfulness, 
Father, we just love you so much. And we're just so grateful to sing about your love for us and your faithfulness to us. Lord, you have forgiven us. You have saved us. You have given us eternal life. And Lord, may we be grateful. Not only through our singing, through our worship, uh, but through our giving as well. Now, although we don't Pass the plates as, as we typically do, Lord. We still have opportunities to give. Um, Lord, as the plates are at the exits for when we leave, uh, we have opportunities online to give. We have opportunities just to drop it in the mail. But Lord, may we give. And may we give boldly out of your love for us. We love you and let it show. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Peace.
I was a little boy. I don't know exactly how old I was at the time, but my aunt uh, gave me a couple of presents. Maybe some of you are old enough to remember these. It was a tiny little uh, telescope-looking thing. And you could hold it up to a light, close one eye, and look into it. And you could see inside of it. Some of them, they were little kaleidoscopes. But the ones she gave me had scripture in it. <clears throat> and I was not a believer at the time, was not attending church anywhere. So she offered me something. I don't remember what it was. But she offered me something if I would memorize those two psalms. And you know, a kid will do anything if you profit them something. And so etched in my memory from a young age and way before I ever came to know the Savior were these words, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pastures. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth, or your Bible may say faithfulness, endures throughout all generations. You know, it's amazing when the Word of God is, is kind of emblazoned in your heart, and how it stays with you for, for, for a lifetime. I encourage you to not just read the Word of God, but commit it to memory. Tuck it away in the depths of your heart and soul and apply it as you go. Years ago, in the 30s, I think it was, before me, if you can imagine, before me, <clears throat> in Great Britain, Rudyard Kipling was their star writer and poet, uh, known all over the British Empire for his writings and much sought-after speaker. Well, it came known some t somehow that his publisher paid him a dollar a word for all of his writings. Now, that was phenomenal money back then. Wouldn't be bad money right now. And word got out about this, and, a, and two Cambridge students, trying to mock him, sent him a cable, and in the cable there was a $1 bill. And they said, Mr. Kipling, give us one of your favorite words. To which he responded back with this one word, thanks. That was more than just a sharp, curt response to critics. It was actually Rudyard Kipling's lifestyle. Because thanksgiving and thanksliving was very much a part of who he was. And here's what I want you to know. God wants you to use that word often. To use it not only in relation to one another, but use it in relation to Him as well. Enter into His courts with thanksgiving. Come into His presence with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Why? Why? You know, there are so many reasons for you and I to gather around as small groups gather in our homes at Thanksgiving, uh, just, just over a cup of coffee, a couple of us, and just look at the ways that God has so wonderfully blessed us and give Him thanks. There, there's a myriad of different ways. But the psalmist here cites three reasons to be utmost thankful to the Lord. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth or faithfulness endures throughout all generations. Can we just follow the psalmist here this morning and take opportunity to give thanks in these particular areas? Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, as you have led the psalm writer, probably David, to write these incredible words, it stirs our souls. 
years and years after to give reason for thanksgiving. Being thankful is something that permeates your word, O Lord, from the earliest books and verses to the last. And your children are known as those who recognize the giver of every good and perfect gift. And it's you. It come down from you, the Father of lights. And so, Lord, we just want to praise you this morning. We want to thank you. We want the spirit of thanksgiving to result in our thanks living. So lead us to your word and touch us thereby. In your name we ask, amen. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. Did you know that's something that's greatly challenged in the world we're living in right now, in the day and age that we're living? Uh, the, the mantra of the world in which we live says this, either God is not good or God is not great. For if God was good, he wouldn't let all this evil happen in the world. And if, if he was great, he would be able to overcome that, that evil. And so the world judges God's goodness by our comfort. That's really what it is. That's really what they're saying. If you cannot provide for me like a good God would, a God that would jump as a genie out of the lamp and grant my three wishes, if you can't do that, then either you are not good or you are not great. Into that arena of modern philosophy, the Word of God shouts endlessly from the depths of the Word, the reality of God's goodness. In Genesis chapter 1, and verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Only a good God can create the good creation that we have, and his goodness is manifest in all of his creation, from the earliest of scriptures. But as Paul and Barnabas was preaching to the people in Lystra in Acts chapter 14, as they were laying their groundwork and, and their, their basic theory of God's presence and His goodness, they said this, Nevertheless, He did not leave Himself without a witness in that He did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. You know what? Anything and everything that you and, have, and I have that's really worth having you can trace it back to God and His goodness. I challenge you to do that. Anything worth having that you and I possess comes down indeed from Him. And we, we see that uh, in, in, in the Word. I, I was listening to a preacher, I don't remember who it was, but listened to a preacher in a podcast here recently, and, and he said this, I wrote it down. He said, where I came from, He brought me. What I know, He taught me. What I have, He gave me. What I am, He made me. And where I'm going, He's going to take me. That's a good summation. That's a good testimony all by itself, isn't it? Yes, that's who we are as His people. That's who are those who are thankful to His name. I, and the supreme evidence, the supreme evidence that God is good is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where lost, hopeless, dead people like you and I became the object of His love and I. So much so that before from the foundation of the world, He created a means by which, through the gift of His only begotten Son, you and I can be saved. If you ever want to see the supreme example of the goodness out of the heart of God, Look to the cross, look to the empty tomb, and then you can join me in saying, God is good. Or let me say it the way the late Jerry Clower said it. Ain't God good? We can understand that in the South. We can understand what that means. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, a passage we're going to read a lot as we move on into the Christmas season. The essence of the goodness of God is even there. In the angel's message to the shepherds, he said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be all to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
which is Christ the Lord. God's goodness is evidence everywhere, but I want you to look at a passage of Scripture. Nahum chapter 7. We don't look in the Old Testament enough. We don't look in, at Nahum enough. But I want you to look at Nahum chapter 1 and 7. I want to have it on the overhead to where we can read it together. Here it is. The Word says this. Got it for me, guys? No, we don't. All right. Well, I'll read it to you anyhow. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those that put their trust in Him. The Lord is good. And he evidences that by manifesting that goodness even in these times when we are hurting. Paul sums up all of God's action in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Often taken out of context and applied in ways it was never intended. But Paul wrote this, and we know that God is at work in all things bringing about, salvaging good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say that everything that happens to us is good. It says that God is at work in anything and everything that happens to us, bringing about, salvaging, making possible good. Our good, His glory, good for those who know Him, love Him. There was a poet that wrote one time these words, Yet in the maddening maze of things and tossed from storm and flood, the one fixed trust my spirit clings, I know that God is good. It's summed up in Lamentations 3.25 that said, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeks after Him. I, I, I don't know about you, but I have tasted and know that the Lord is good. I have not deserved His goodness. What I have deserved is His wrath. But the epitome of His goodness was seen in my life when somebody loved Him enough and cared about me enough to share the gospel with me. And suddenly I found a God that I didn't know had so incredibly loved me that He had, had sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to demonstrate that love for me and that while I was still a sinner, He died for me. He died for me. Will you let that just settle in? The Son of God died for me and rose again that I would have His eternal life. If that's not goodness, I don't know what goodness is. God's goodness personified in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I want to bear witness this morning. He's been good to me. I have not always been good to Him, but He has always been good to me. To save me, to redeem me, to cleanse me, to call me, to use me. When I hear these words, be thankful unto Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good, my soul shouts, Amen! He's good. He's been good to me. Has He been good to you? Do you know the goodness of God? Then let's thank Him. Will you pray with me right now? Father God, from the depths of our heart, we want to thank You that You're good. Lord, we don't always define that good in, 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 in sweet things that happen to us. But we sure experience it when the God that is so good comes to us in the midst of the mess of life to salvage our lives and to salvage goodness for our benefit in His glory. God, we want to thank You for Your goodness. And right now in this moment, we want to thank You how You've personally been good to us. You've been so good to me, God. Apart from saving me, You led me to the most wonderful woman 
the most absolute perfect mate for me. To tolerate me and help to mold me. To not be my competition, but to be my completion. And you've been good to us and you've given us our sons and our precious daughters in love and our grandchildren. Some that we play with here on planet earth and some that we can't wait to get to heaven to play with. You've been good to us. And in so many of the good things you've done, you brought me to this city and to this church to be with some of the best people I've ever met. Lord, you've been good to me. And I want to thank you today. Unashamedly, unapologetically thank you for your goodness. Through Christ my Lord. Amen. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. That, that, that just overwhelms me. Luke 1, chapter 50. And His mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. Psalm 103, 11, For as the heavens is high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. That word mercy, the ancient Hebrew word especially, is chesed. And it's the covenant love of God. It's the love of God that he bestowed on his people. Now, let me show you where it's so merciful. Were his people obedient to him in the Old Testament? Woo! Have mercy. <laughs> no. Stiff-necked, hard-hearted, worshiping other gods, going after their own ways. And yet he loved them. Now you see how that covenant love was mercy? Because you know what mercy is? Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Anybody say amen to that right there? God not giving us what we deserve. Let me tell you what this boy deserved. I deserved his wrath. I deserved hell. I deserved everything negative and bad that could happen to me. And so did you. That's what we deserve. But mercy is part of the very character of who God is. It is who He is. Psalm 119.64 says, The earth, O Lord, is filled with your mercies. And Paul picks up on that in 2 Corinthians 1.3 when he calls Him the Father, the originator of all mercies. And mercy is demonstrated no place any better than in our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke tells a story as recorded in the 18th chapter of the Gospel where Jesus says the Pharisees were standing around and, and they, were, they were praising themselves. And so he told the story. He said a Pharisee went up to the temple to pray. And he prayed like this. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even this publican, that tax collector over here. I fast twice every week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And over here in a dark corner, that tax collector, that publican, would not so much as lift his eyes to heaven, but rather he smote his breast, crying out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Not a sinner, the sinner. He understood who he was. It's important for you and I to understand who we are in our natural state. We are the sinner. Paul would say sinners of whom I am chief. He and I got an argument coming in heaven about that. And you need to go argue with him too. And then the scripture says, Jesus says, I tell you, this man, this tax collector, 
He went to his house justified rather than the others. Justified. Well, what does that mean? That's a legal term. When you are declared by the judge not guilty. Did this, did this man, did this publican over here, did this taxpayer, did, did he deserve to be declared not guilty? No. He declared himself guilty. But out of the merciful heart of God, because this man would face his sin and confess that sin and in his heart be broken over that sin, then the Father of mercies was ever to say, go home, son, justice. On what basis? On the basis of what God was going to do in His Son, Jesus Christ, not very long after that? Mercy. Mercy is justified. And not only does God's mercy justify us, it enables us to stand even when we're tempted. Psalm 94, 18 says, When I said my foot slips, Your mercy, O Lord, held me up. His mercy. God ever had to get a hold of you by the hand and hold on to you because you're slipping? Boy, I know he has me. He has me. And not only is his mercy there to help me when I'm sleeping, but to help me to get through some of the most difficult times. Psalm 59, 16 says, But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense and my refuge in the day of my trouble. Anybody else found the merciful God in the time of your day of trouble? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The writer of Lamentations sums it all up. He says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is the Lord's mercies that are not consumed because His compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Do you know you got a new dose of mercy this morning when you woke up? Your wife might not have been there with a cup of steaming hot coffee. I can't imagine her not, but she might not have been there. But God was there with a plentiful hand of the mercy you and I were going to need today. God of all mercies. I don't know about you. But God has been abundantly merciful to me. When I deserved hell, he made a way for me to have heaven. When I was hurt by life and blamed him for everything that had gone wrong, he listened and loved me. When I shouted my disappointment and hatred towards him, he responded in love. God's been merciful to this boy. Has he been merciful to you? Then come before his presence with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. Let's thank him. Father God, you are the God of all mercies. And you have lavished your mercy on our lives. Even in our trouble, even in our failures, even in the pain and agony, you have been merciful. We just want to bless you, Lord. We want to thank you because you've been the God of all mercy in our lives. And we thank you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And finally, it says his truth endures to all generations. His truth endures to all generations. Now, that word for truth is very interesting. It's only, that word is only used twice in the Bible, and it's in the Old Testament both times. It's a Hebrew word. And in one place, it's translated here, enduring truth. But in the other place, it's translated faithfulness. Now, the word can go either way. And so that's why in some of your Bibles, it says truth, and in other Bibles, it says faithfulness, because both are correct. 
So let's look at what's enduring. Both of all, first of all, truth. God's truth is enduring. It's enduring. Psalm 31.5 reminds us that he is the God of all truth. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. I'm, I'm so thankful that you and I don't serve a hope so, maybe so God that might be able to save us, that might be able to take us to heaven. And if you have any questions about that, I'll refer you to last Sunday, okay? I won't re-preach that one. But the Word of God is incredibly clear about the things that we can know. The purpose of the Bible is God's supreme revelation of Himself, and the New Testament fulfills that as He reveals Himself, as the writer of Hebrews says, most perfectly, most fully in His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible here is the written Word of God, but Jesus Christ is the living Word of God. This is the, the written testimony. He's the living testimony. This is the, the written truth. He is the living truth. The fulfillment of all that is true. In John 1.14, John said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth. And later in verse 17 he says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So that's, that's how you can look at the truth. The truth endures to all generations. But what about faithfulness? What about if, if that's the better translation? I, I, I think it's a good translation. I, I like faithfulness. Uh, have you known the faithfulness of God? Well, I have. A, he, he wrote to Timothy this. He wrote this to Timothy. He said, Timothy, if we are faithless, he abides faithful because he cannot deny himself. What does that mean? His essence, his character, what he is in the depths of his being is faithfulness. And he can't be anything but faithful. Now you and I at the core of our being, being sinful creatures that we are, well, we can't be faithful, we can only be faithless. And so Paul is telling young Timothy, he's, going to, he's, he's making a preacher, and he, he, he's, he's pastoring this great church, but he said, Timothy, let me tell you something. You're going to try real hard. You're going to work real hard. You're still going to fail. There are times when you're going to be faithless. But I want you to know something, son. God is in his essence faithful, even when you're not. Aren't you glad that God's faithfulness to us did not depend on our faithfulness to Him? Yeah. Now, that's not a reason to slack off in being disobedient. But what it is, it's an assurance. God doesn't sit out there meeting it out. Okay, He was good this week. I'll give Him a little faithfulness. Ah, she really messed up this week. Now, you don't get none this week. That's not the God of the Bible, folks. God of the Bible is all faithfulness. All faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I've been the recipient of his faithfulness. I've not always been the faithful follower that I should be. But he's always been the faithful God he promised to be. Because his faithfulness is not dependent on mine. It's who he is. And when he commits to you, when he becomes your father, when he adopts you into his family, there is never, ever the slightest question of his faithfulness for all eternity. Do you know about his faithfulness? Has God been faithful to you? Even in times that you've not been faithful to him, can you look at back at times in your life and you say, this right, right, right here, he stayed with me even though 
I wasn't so sure about him. Can you look at a time like that? I can. Can you look at a time that he's, you've doubted him? You know he's never doubted you. If you've known his faithfulness, can you pray with me right now? Father God, you have been so faithful. You've been so dependable. You have always been there. You've always been the God you promised to be. You hadn't made my life an easy road, but you've always been faithful. You've been there. Even when I haven't been there for you, you've been there for me. You've been there through your people. Genuine believers in Christ who have embodied your faithfulness. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being faithful to us. And in no place where your faithfulness no more evident than in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You were faithful to your calling, Lord Jesus, to take my sins upon yourself, to take the full wrath and punishment that I deserved upon yourself in order to set me free. You took my death and gave me your life. I bless you for your faithfulness, for your truthfulness. Because that's who you are, Lord Jesus. You'll be known by that name on your thigh, faithful and true. It's who you are. And we bless you and thank you. In the name of the one who is faithful and true. Amen. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth, his faithfulness endures to all generations. Do you know God as your faithful and true Savior? Have you come to that place in your life that you've asked Him to come into your life to forgive you and cleanse you of your sins, to be the boss, the leader, the redeemer in your life? This morning you have that opportunity to do that. This morning you can say yes to Him and ask Him to come and be your Savior and Lord. Maybe maybe you've done that. But maybe there's been times in your life that your faithfulness has lagged behind and you've assumed that his faithfulness has as well. Or maybe there's been times that he's let you go through some rough times and it's been hard. And because of your hard heart, you might not have been aware of his presence even then. But this morning you become aware that God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is faithful even when we're not. Maybe from where you are at home or where you are on the pew, you may want to just take time just to thank Him and bless Him and worship Him for that. Or maybe you want to come to the altar and just kneel and pray and thank God that He's been faithful to you even when you've not been faithful to Him. I want us to pray together. After we pray, we're going to stand. Ed's going to lead us in an invitation song. That invitation is for those of you who want to join our fellowship or you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, just come and be seated on this front row. Tony and Derek will be right there to minister to you and keep distance, but at the same time, minister to your needs. Or if you want to come to the altar and just pray and worship God right here, I want you to feel that freedom. It's okay to do that. Nobody's going to be looking and saying, I wonder what they're going down there for. They know what you're coming down here for. To bless God and worship Him. So will you pray with me? Father God, in these next few moments. May you lose Holy Spirit in such a powerful way that folks will be saved and folks will be secure. That they'll know they have a reason for thanksgiving because you're good and you're merciful and your truth and your faithfulness now and forever. Write that on our hearts. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Stand please.
the meadow there came ten ragtag people. People knew by the way they were dressed, knew by the way they smelled. They were lepers. They cried out to him for his touch. Jesus granted that they were all he said, go and show yourself to the priest and, and give, give the proper sacrifice. They all ten turned and headed towards town and as they did, they found their healing. One of them turned around and came back to Jesus and fell at his feet, thanking him. Jesus asked the question, were not ten healed? And yet only one came to give thanks. Will you make this decision as you walk out the doors today? I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one. I'm not going to walk away with the blessings of God and not thank Him for what He's done in my life. Let's go be the one. Father, as these doors open, as we go out, may we go with the intention... We are going to be the one. We're going to be thankful. And we're going to let this world know what he's done for us. That's our prayer. That's our commitment. In Christ's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.